be seated, please. I'll make a confession to you guys. I have been in a funk for the last month. And I'm telling you, just had uh, some unforeseen things that, that came up, and then all of a sudden, you know, Dr. Carmen suddenly passed away, and just all kind of stuff that's been going on. Not that I'm I'm down or anything like that. It's just that I know that I've been under attack. And, and, and sometimes when you feel like you've been under attack for so long, you feel like you're weak, but you're not. You know? If I draw on my own self for, for, for strength, I'm going to fail. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to fail. I can't do that. I can't feel that lack. I can't fulfill for myself where there's a hole can't do it for myself. I know only God can do it. And um, But there are also ways that you can kind of help get through life, you know, that, that, may not, that may not be in the Bible. But you just know that when you do things a certain way, things ha- good happen. Are you following me? So... <clears throat> That's got to stop. <clears throat> yeah. So, when I'm under such an attack, when you get under such an attack, what do you do? I go back to the day that I was saved. And at that night, when I had to answer the call, yes or no. I go back to that time. Because that's when I was under the most turmoil. There was a lot of things coming against me spiritually when I got saved because of the, 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 the assignment that God was about to give me. I didn't realize all this at the time. But do you know where I found that I get stronger and I get stronger and I get stronger? It's when I get in a pulpit and I realize that, hey, I need this. You don't need this as much as I need to do this. Are you following me? And sometimes you just get to that point where you, where you do things and it's just, you're not trying to be selfish, but you want the best you to be representative to everybody else. So sometimes we have to go through those times and, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody goes through ups and downs. Just remember that our ride just continually goes like this. If it's down, it's not because of the ride, it's because of who's on the vessel. Are you following me? So we've got to continue on that, on that stroke up, up scale. So what I did is I went back to when I was saved. Okay? When I was saved. I had a decision to make. And I chose to do it. Don't get me wrong. Everybody, there's a cost. If you're going to be in full-time ministry, in other words, giving your life for others on behalf of Jesus, you've got to count the cost. Because they are great. The cost is great. I didn't think I would go down this road today, but I'm, I think I'm going to slip on down there. You know, anything that's worth doing that is 
that's going to carry on for eternity, there's always a lot to stop you from getting there. You're not building a temporary work when you're in the soul business. You're building a top of uh, eternity work, and therefore, that's why the devil tries to come against you. So it's not your lack that's causing this to come against you. It's because of your excess. You're building an eternal work. Therefore, the devil wants to stop you. If you were building something that wasn't eternal, he wouldn't bother with you. He just wouldn't. He's not in, he's not in the short-term business. He's in the long-term business, just like God is. So, anyhow. So I go back to my <coughs> salvation experience. And I have not been... I, I, I'm not saying this is going to be a great message. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be a bad one either. But... I have not been so excited to preach a message in, gosh, I can't remember how long. Not that y'all are getting substandard stuff or anything, but I'm just more excited. Because I went to Dallas this week and I did uh, Dr. Carmen's um, uh, memorial service and, and it was great. And I'm telling you, man, I didn't know. I knew he preached about me, but I didn't know it was to that many people. Everybody coming to me, you're Paul? How did you get the governor to give you a building? You know, I mean, and they would ask me all these crazy questions. Well, what was it like with TL? What was it like with Hilton Sutton? What was, and so, and all these people say, hey, would you come to our church and preach? From here to California, I'm telling you, it's crazy. And, and I didn't realize until then that I do have an impact outside of Menden, Louisiana. Whether I preach or whether somebody preaches about something that I've attempted or I've done or anything like that, you don't have to look for a pulpit. The pulpit's always going to find you. Always going to find you. Always going to find you. So we're going to go to Acts 9. This is the Apostle Paul. This is his trend. His salvation experience, but it was so radical. We don't call it a salvation experience. We call it the Damascus Road. Because it, you just can't, salvation's great. Greatest thing you can get. Greatest gift you can get, salvation. All right? That's a, you're going to heaven. Everything's great. But when your salvation experience is so powerful that they don't call it your salvation experience. They call it your Damascus Road. You know, how many people have ever heard, you know, my Damascus Road experience? I, I know that I've used that several times. But anyway, it's in Acts 9. Before I get here, let me tell you this. Do you know why Paul, I'm sorry, Saul was on the road to Damascus? Do you know why he was on the road? Because in Jerusalem he had just stoned Stephen. My brother's name is Stephen. My parents have a sick sense of humor. Paul stoned Stephen. So, (laughs) anyway, he had incited a riot 
And he saw something in Stephen. Now, if you go back to the 7th chapter of Acts, you'll read what happened. And, and, and boy, Stephen knew that he was going to get crucified in some, or killed in some way, shape, or form, but it just made him preach louder. He just stood up and he preached, man, and they started, the, the, Saul said, hey, Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. Okay, we know that. He incited a riot and caused them to stone Stephen. And Stephen never quit preaching while they were stoning him. And then he said, he said, Behold, I see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand, standing at the right hand of the Father. Jesus isn't supposed to be standing, right? He's supposed to be seated at the right hand. But, 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 but Stephen did something so brave and so astounding that Jesus stood up to watch what Stephen was doing. He didn't sit down and say, good job, son. He gave Stephen a standing ovation because of the such conviction that was in the man that preached so powerfully. I believe this, and I'll prove it to you in a few minutes. I believe that, the, that Saul saw something in Stephen that shook him to his core. I believe that he saw something within Stephen that he'd never seen before. That he saw a conviction so strong that I'm not just going to die for it. Why you kill me, I'm going to preach to you. I'm going to tell you about this man till my last breath on this earth. Paul, Saul had never seen that type of conviction before in his life. Most, and, and, and most everybody else in the world hasn't either. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've been around it, and I'm telling you, it's scary when you get in, and I've been in some shaky places, don't get me wrong, around the world, I've been in some, some rough, rough times, but it just seems like when you get there, it, you just preach harder, you just witness stronger, you just talk a little bit louder, you know, and you, you, you lay hands on more people. And, and for some reason, it just gets you through it. It just gets you through it. Anyway, he saw this conviction. So, what happened in Jerusalem? All the Christians ran every different direction. Because they were running from who? They were running from Saul because he was commissioned by the church now to kill and imprison people that were Christian. That's the reason he was on the road. He'd heard some of them went to Damascus, so he got a troop, and he's headed to Damascus to kill Christians, to persecute them, arrest them, whatever the case may have been, torture them. So here he is. I'll read it. Ninth chapter, first verse. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus so that if he found him, who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them back to Jerusalem. So in other words, this guy is getting his marching orders. He's getting it from the church. 
and the Sanhedrin council that he could act on behalf of the church and persecute, arrest, torture, and murder Christians. And they gave it to him. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground. This is great. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Next. This is is my favorite. And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? Who are you? I am Jesus who you persecute. He hadn't done anything to hurt Jesus. But Jesus thinks different than we think. Jesus, if you've done it to the least of them, you've done it to me. In other words, when you persecute my people, you are persecuting me and I won't stand for it. Who are you? Who are you? I'm Jesus who you persecute. He never saw Jesus face to face in his entire life. He wasn't persecuting Jesus. Oh, yes, he was. Because if somebody's messing with you, it means they're messing with him and he's there to get it straight. If you've done it to the least of them, you've done it to me. Anyway, (laughs) who are you, Lord? Who are you? I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. All right, here's the question that everybody in here, I'm fixing to see some people smile and kind of snicker. What's a goad? Now, I know what a lot of you have been told. And it's not always, and they're not always true. So I looked it all up. I researched it out. See, Chris and my, see, they're laughing right there. They know it. They know. So what is a goad? It's not what you think it is. It's not what you kick. <laughs> a goad is a livestock implement. To move ox. What kind of question is that? It is a livestock implement used to have movement. Goaded those cattle down. Y'all heard this, right? You know what goaded means? It means to herd. It means to move. It means that there is a movement. And this is what this is what God, this is what Jesus told Saul. It is hard for you to kick against this movement. It's hard for you to kick it to go. You know, and I've read this a million times and I never saw this and it's so simple, but if you just read it the way it's written, it's, it's, it's way better than what I was doing. Listen to this. 
It is hard for you, Saul, to kick against my movement. It's hard for you to kick against my people. In other words, conviction had come. Conviction had come to Saul because of events leading up to this and what happened there where he was blinded, he saw something in Stephen, and then God said, this isn't easy for you, is it? You really don't want to do this, do you? He said, it's hard for you to kick against this. He was talking, he was using the word of knowledge. He wasn't asking a question. He wasn't making a statement about Paul's... He's making a statement about the conviction that's upon him. It's hard for you to do this. I know this, Saul. It's hard for you. Saul says, Who are you, Lord? In other words, he knew whoever he was talking to was the Lord. He just didn't know who that was. Are y'all following me at all? He has no idea who this is, but he knows that they're God. Because there's... Hey, alright, here we go. I saw something special, Stephen. Alright? You just blinded me with this bright light from heaven. You're talking to me from the sky. I know that you're God. I just need to know what your name is. What did Jesus say? I'm Jesus who you persecute. It's not easy for you to do this, but you do it. Why? See, when, 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 Saul did something that was totally out of character for him. No, no, I can't believe that this man would do this. I can't believe this. All right, he did something totally out of character. He said, "I got it. I was wrong. You were right. What do I need to do? What do what do I need to do? You, I was wrong." My whole life has been wrong. You're right. You're the Lord. What do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? That's what I said when I got saved. God, what do you want me to do? I know you got something for me. What do you want me to do? No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Then I'm going to bug you till you do it. What do you want me to do for you? If every Christian, when they got saved, would say what Paul said, hey, what do you want me to do? We would have already had the rapture and already been home. Most Christians Christians say, what are you going to do for me? Not what can I do for you. God, make my way straight. God, God bless us. 
We're tithers. God, bless us with, with finances. Bless us with good relationships. Do this for us. Never once saying, hey, what can I do for you? They believe that God can do anything that He wants to do. They just don't believe that He wants to use them in it. And it's wrong. The most blessed blessing that you can possibly have is to be used by God to reach somebody else. It's not a paycheck. It's not an offering. It's not a blessing. It's not this or that. It's to be used by God for His purpose, not ours. But we have in our own agendas. We have our own... Are y'all, am I y'all having as much fun as I am? Probably not. Okay. Alright, never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll move forward. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Arise and go. How many times did you tell this to people? What do you want me to do? I want you to get up and I want you to go. Well, I'm blind. How am I going to get there? These are all questions we'd ask. Saul didn't ask a question. His troop took him exactly to where Jesus had told him to go and he waited there and he waited there for three days. He didn't eat anything and he didn't drink anything. He was just there. We think, right? That's what the Bible says. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you ask Jesus what you can do, He will give you an assignment. What do you want me to do? I got an assignment for you. I got you a job. We don't have unemployment in Christianity. And unfortunately... <laughs> A lot of people have filed for it. But, we don't have unemployment in Christianity. It's just not there. It's just not there. Um, Get up and go. That is the mantra of Paul's life up until he goes on and meets the Lord. You know, until he dies and gets to heaven. His whole life. Life was built around the first thing that Jesus said to him. Arise and go. I'm going to get up and I'm... You remember when he went, ended up in Macedonia? He was headed for Asia. Boom, boom, boom. I'm arising and I'm going. I'm arising and I'm going. And the Holy Ghost would direct him where he's supposed to go. He wouldn't pray about it. He'd just arise and go. Why? Because Jesus already told him, arise and go. What's the last thing Jesus told you? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. God, what can you do for me? Can you watch over my children? Can you? Nothing wrong with that. But Christianity is not a gimme, gimme, gimme sport. It's, I'm going to gimme, gimme, gimme. Not you give me. I want to give. I want to do something. It's better to give than receive. Giving should be given. Press down, shaking together, running. God's trying to get this point. Arise and go. Arise and go. Arise and go. I've tried to live my life that way ever since I got saved. And let me tell you something, it makes people mad. At least it makes them mad at me. When you arise and go and you and you go and do and you're traveling all over the world and you come back to men in Louisiana and then people start saying, blah, 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 blah. 
I don't care. I'm going to rise and I'm going to go whether you like it or whether you don't. I'm not talking to you, but if y'all are listening, well, I'm joking. You know, we're going to go. We're going to do a rise and go. I'm going to live my life by a rise and go. <clears throat> but it says, if let's just go down a little bit further. And the men who journeyed with him, all right, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. You think those guys had a little Damascus Road experience? Well, would you hear that? That's a voice from heaven, I guess. They had a little bit of they had a little bit of uh, conviction on them too. Then Saul uh, arose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Next. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Three days. Here we go. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, Talked like Rob. Ananias. Paul. Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. In other words, I'm here. What do you want me to do? So those, are you getting this? What do you want me to do? Everybody in the Bible that said that is mentioned in a good light. The Bible is full of people that just went and did stuff. What did you do? We went and did. What did you did? Uh, we built a church in Nicaragua. What you doing next? We're going to build another one somewhere else, I guess, if you're pushing me like that. We're building a hospital in Papua New Guinea right now. Do y'all know that? I hadn't announced that yet, have I? We're building a hospital in Papua New Guinea. In Foray, in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. Um, we're part of it. We're not doing it ourselves. Um, several churches are doing it. So let's talk about Ananias. Here he is. Here I am, Lord. All right, next. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go! Here I am, Lord. What you want me to do? Same thing Saul did. Arise and go. The same thing every Christian. I'd tell every Christian, hey, get up, get going, and get out of here. Arise and go. Just get up and go. Get up and go do something that's going to change your life. Go get up and do something that's going to change somebody else's life. My gosh, get, get up and go with me somewhere. My gosh, I've had malaria twice. It's not that bad. It's a good story. I've been in three Ebola outbreaks. How many have you been in? You know, I mean, <laughs> are you following me? I mean, I've been, I don't, I love this stuff. Do you understand? I do. Now, don't get me wrong. I've slept on the floor of the jungle. There ain't no glory in it. Four Seasons is nicer. But it makes for great stories. You know, it, it makes for, Great adventure. I want to live a life of adventure.
I don't want to sit on a pew the rest of my life and do nothing. I ain't going to. It's not in my DNA. It's not in the DNA of God. Arise and go. Arise and go. Mm. You know, I, I could get really radical on this one if I really wanted to. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Next. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. I've given him a vision where he saw you. I love the way that God does stuff. God could have came and asked Ananias first. This is, this is funny. This is pretty cool now. He could have asked Ananias to go and pray for Paul first. But he chose not to. Why? Because God is a God that operates out of faith just like we do. Let there be and there was. He's a God. So what did he do? As an act of faith, he went and he gave Paul the vision first and then he went to Ananias in faith believing that he was going to step through and do what he was supposed to do. Did y'all get that? God operates out of faith just like we do. If, if it would have been operated out of faith, he'd have went to Ananias, Ananias and said, Ananias, can you go down the straight street and pray for Saul? Uh, no. <laughs> Alright, well I'll go find somebody else then. Will you go down? Yeah, alright. Then I'm going to give Ananias a vision. No, he gave Ananias a vision first. And then his act of faith was going there and telling Ananias, Hey, I've given him a vision. I've already given him a vision of you coming and laying hands on him. He's going to get filled with the Holy Ghost and he's going to get healed. He's going to be able to see. So Ananias, all fired up about what the vision he had, what was his next word? And I said, Lord, I've heard from many about this guy. <laughs> How much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. The guy's here looking for me and you want me to deliver myself up to him? This guy's here looking to kill me and you want me to walk in to the house where he's at with his troop and lay hands on him. Have you lost your heavenly mind? Think about it. What would you have said? What would you have done? Let's just be real. I said, I don't know. Wrong guy. Let this cup pass from me. I'm not doing it. I don't want to know part of that guy. He stoned Stephen. Stephen was a friend of mine. I'm not going. No, uh uh-uh. Go back to 13. Okay, now 14. I just wanted to know where it was. And here, he has the authority from the chief priest. To bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go! If God has to tell you to go two times, you best go. Okay? He already told him to rise and go, so evidently he arose, and now he just told him to go. So he said, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, Kings and the children of Israel. Man, what a vision. 
Gentiles, kings, nations. My goodness, that would have excited me so much, man, if, 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 if God told me, you're going to change kings and nations for God. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Yeah, I'm on board. Right? Who wouldn't want to do that? Change a nation. Inspire kings to, to, for them, their nations to become Christian. I mean, how cool is that? How cool is Paul? He's chosen by God to do this. What's next? For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. He said, doing all that is a hard life, guys. If you're going to try to change nations for God and change the minds of kings and change the destiny of nations, I'm going to show him all what he's supposed to suffer, all the things he's going to suffer for that. We don't hear people talk about this too much, but when I was called, and and I, I, I responded, but I counted the cost. God showed me everything I was going to do, and He showed me a lot of the bad things that were going to happen as well. And I'm like, dang. I don't want to be mistreated. I don't want to be talked about ugly. I don't want to be, I don't want people to, you know, I don't. It's part of the job. What do they call Jesus? When people talk about you and your spirituality in a negative light, it's a positive thing to me. It's a positive thing to God. I can't believe Christians do this. I did it. Sorry. Yep. I'm, anyway. Count the cost. Count the cost. Um, I gotta tell this story. I got I got it in here somewhere. Maybe I know. I never I was telling this to Jody and Devin. We were in the South Pacific and we were on this boat, we're supposed to go like twenty five miles across this island and we're gonna minister there. And we're we're going out, and these boats are ratty, you know. They all are. And and you're going out, and you, you know. And pretty pleasant little trip. And all of a sudden, these flying fish just came out of nowhere. We're in the Coral Sea. And they just start flying up in the bow of the boat, you know. And they're just beautiful. Then all of a sudden, a couple of dolphins come up beside the boat. And they're these flying fish flying all around. I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. All of a sudden, I feel somebody elbow me. Hey, you could be at home watching TV on the Lazy Boy doing nothing. It's a choice. I would have never seen that that sight. You know, I preached that night to 700 people got saved in a tribe that night. 
could have been at home doing nothing. When I go, I don't go for me. I go for them. When I stand up here, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. When you, when you get that, when you get that, that your life is not lived for you, it's lived for others, you've got a toehold that nobody else has. Paul knew that his life was nothing without Jesus. And that he was going to do whatever he could to get that Jesus life into everybody that he came in contact with. He could have stayed at home and done nothing. But he didn't. He got up and he went and he did something. He went and changed the world. He wrote 14 books of the New, of the, of the New Testament. You know, when, when <clears throat> all of the things that are to the account of the Apostle Paul, all of the salvations, all the books of the Bible that he wrote. The people that get saved off of what is said about him or what he wrote about today still goes to his account. Do you realize that? It also goes to Ananias because he didn't sit at home, watch TV, and do nothing. He overcame his fear. He went down there and he did his part. He did his part. All the parts are not, you know, that... I've got so much. I could preach this for three days. My gosh. Ananias, Ananias was obedient, but can you? if it would have been me, and God would have said, or Jesus said, in a vision, I would have said, that's a bad dream. Just a bad dream, not a vision. Because God surely doesn't want me to put my place in that type of peril. God wants what's best for me. We can talk ourselves out of everything and blame God for every bit of it. We're screwing up. It don't matter what it doesn't matter what what it is. Oh, no, God God expects us to use common sense. No, He don't. He wants us to use the Bible that makes no sense to the human being. Right. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. But I hear it constantly, and I get sick of it. Now, I, 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 you know, y'all know me. I just need to shut up a lot of times. <laughs> I know, but then somebody I'm in a bad mood. And somebody makes a stupid comment. You know, God wants to have common sense. He said, give me the chapter and verse on that. Well, you know that... I said, that's right. It's out of the second book of ignorance. Not there. Not there. There's nothing common sense about the way God does things. Because He's not common. There's nothing common... Uh, Common sense about the way the Bible works. Is it common sense that you give and it will be given to you? An even greater number? That doesn't make any sense. That's not common sense. But that's God's way of doing things. God doesn't want common. God wants the uncommon. He wants the uncommon Christian that's not going to sit. He wants the common, un, he wants the common the uncommon Christian to get up and go get something done. Oh, I have no... I've, every time I preach, it goes back to do something. I don't know what it is. I can't help it. I don't know who this is, but I'm going to say it, and then we're going to get out of here. Somebody said this, a famous person. I don't know who it is. Somebody will know. The two most important days of your life. Do you all know that one? Who said it? Okay. I'll, all right, I'll say it to you. All right. The two most important days of your life. The day you were born... 
and the day you find out why you were born. Huh? Mark Twain. I knew I knew it was somebody famous. I couldn't come up with something that smart. The two most, the day you were born, and the day you you find out why you were born. You're part of a family. You're part of a revolution too. A movement that changes nations. Y'all know that this church and a few others got together and they changed an entire nation of Vanuatu. They went from a cannibalistic country to to rewriting their constitution. And all 63 members of parliament are born-again, tongue-talking believers. We helped do that. It took us only nine years. We had several churches involved, and we were together, and we were, we were funding it. And now, and now we're in the Solomon Islands doing the same thing. And so... We've got so many different projects going on. We're doing so much that y'all may not be aware of. I'm, over the next few months, we're going to try to make that a little more clear to you. Just so you can know, you know, where things are going, where you need, your prayers need to be, that type of thing. And, and so we're going, to, um, we're going to get, next few months, things are going to change a little bit. We're going to, we want you more informed. Don't want you just coming down here and saying, "Oh well, what, what are we doing? We're just worshiping." This is a, this is the least of what we do in the kingdom. Sunday morning is the least of what we do in the kingdom. You know what we do the rest of the time? We arise and go, just like we're supposed to. Arise and go. We're all a part of a team, but you know what? You may not know what your part is on the team. I mean, Saul had to say, hey, who are you? What do you want me to do? You know better than I do, so what do you want me to do? This is your kingdom. This is your... What do you want me to do to help you, Jesus? What do you want me to do? Some of us don't know what that is. Let's all stand to our feet. Some of us don't know what that is, but if you want to know what your assignment is, it's not hard to find out. We... Uh, we as a body of believers are a team, a family, revolution, a movement. But we got to have everybody in this before we can accomplish what God has assigned us as a body of believers to do. And I think that we need to realize that that assignment is the most important thing that we have going for us. But if you want to know what your part of the assignment is, man, it's easy. Just come down here and pray and ask. God will show you what it is. Amen? Let's all raise our hands. If you, uh, I'm sorry. If you need to know your assignment, man, just ask. Just ask. And we're going to dismiss in a few minutes, and I'll be down here because I want to talk to you. You know, if you need, if you need some, some guidance on what you're supposed to be doing. But let's, let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done, Father, and all that you're continually doing, Father. I thank you that you've allowed me to be a part 
what's going on at CCAM, Father, and those that are out there, Father, that really don't know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Father, I ask that you give them a clear assignment, Father, so that they'll know clearly what to jump up and do. Father, I thank you that you speak to us, that we, that we recognize your voice, that we, Father, that we love you, that we honor you, we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey,